Do you dread tax time because you haven't saved enough for taxes? Are you totally confused and lost about your business finances? Do you worry that you'll never be able to retire or save for your kid's college education? If you bury your head in the sand because you think you'll never be a money person, I want to let you in on a huge secret. All you need to manage your private practice finances are a simple series of skills that you can learn. After all, you already did the hard work of graduating from college, becoming a therapist, and starting your private practice. Hi, I'm Lindsay Bonham. I'm a therapist turned money coach and the creator of Money Skills for Therapists. I've helped hundreds of therapists just like you develop peace of mind about their money. I invite you to watch my free masterclass where I teach my four-step framework to get your business finances totally in order. In the masterclass, I cover the three biggest mistakes that therapists make that keep them from getting clarity on their private practice finances, the secret that most accountants don't want you to know, and why working with your mindset and emotions is essential to changing your patterns with money. This masterclass is for therapists and health practitioners who are running or about to start a private practice. It is the first step in learning about my signature course, Money Skills for Therapists. Register today with the link in the show notes to take the first step to go from money confusion, anxiety, and shame to feeling clear and empowered about your money. I look forward to supporting you. And this would have my name on it. And this person would be a representation of me and my practice and the way I work. And I really have to trust someone. And I don't, I don't know this, this magical person. <laughs> Welcome to the Money Skills for Therapists podcast, where we answer this question. How can therapists and health practitioners go from money shame and confusion to feeling calm and confident about their finances and get money really working for them in both their private practice and their lives? I'm your host, Lindsay Bonham, therapist turned money coach and creator of the course Money Skills for Therapists. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. So before we get started today, I wanted to share a review on Apple Podcasts that one of our listeners left. The review is from Eileen. Eileen says, profound gems in each episode. She says, as of writing this review, I've listened to all of Lindsay's podcast episodes. I have to say that I've taken away profound nuggets of insight, advice, wisdom, and tangible skills to try in each episode. My only regret is that I listened to most of these while driving in the car. Next time, though, I'll be ready to have a pen and paper ready in order to capture the gems sprinkled throughout her episodes. This podcast is a must for healers of any kind. Thank you so much, Eileen, for your podcast review on Apple Podcasts. It's so appreciated. I'm so glad that the podcast has been uh, connecting with you and that you're finding value in every episode. And for other folks listening, if you're also enjoying the podcast, jump over to Apple Podcasts. It really helps. Today's podcast episode is a coaching episode with Natalia Buchanan. Natalia is a therapist working in Austin, helping those who struggle with disordered eating. She is a graduate of the original beta course of Money Skills for Therapists, as she mentions, uh, towards the end of our conversation today. And she came to our coaching session today wanting support with feeling blocked around expanding beyond solo practice. If you have a full solo practice, you're really going to relate to Natalia in terms of having a wait list of people that you just can't serve, you just never get to it, and 
realizing that you really are not being able to help those people. But also she talks about this feeling of kind of like leaving money on the table, like all these people want her help, and yet she's not able to see them. So she talked about these blocks and concerns she had around expanding and hiring an associate moving into group practice. Very quickly, our conversation shifted, and I'm not going to give it away, but if you are someone who uh, has a full practice and you've been contemplating moving into group practice but are finding yourself hesitate, this is going to be the episode for you. Enjoy. Natalia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I am so happy to see you. I was just saying this off mic. It's always so nice to see you and I'm really excited to have you on today. So let's just dig right in to what you want support with today. So tell me, what do you want to have more clarity on by the end of our session? Yeah. So I think I would like to look at my fear of, I guess it's um, continued success, bigger success, up-leveling. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about what that fear is, is looking like right now. What are you noticing about it? Right now I am feeling resistant to hiring an associate in my private practice, my private psychotherapy practice. Yes. I have not been able to take a new client in quite a while. Right. And I could really use the help. Mm, Okay. Yep. So you've got more demand than you're able to meet. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that feels very afraid mm, Okay, to take it to this next step. Okay. And what do you notice kind of the stories around that fear are? The word that's coming to mind is I will lose control. Okay. The, the secondary fear is it'll be too expensive. I won't be able to generate the income, the referrals, mm, whatever yeah. it may be okay. to support an associate. Right. So first off is you'll lose control. The second one, it sounds like it's, it's like it won't work. Like the numbers won't work or the marketing won't work, mm-hmm. that it ultimately won't be successful. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that fear of control piece, like what control do you see yourself possibly giving up by bringing on an associate into your practice? Well, I can't control the way they do therapy. Right. I know the way I do therapy. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what actually happens in that room with clients mm-hmm. you can't control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this would have my name on it. And this person right. would be a representation of me and my practice and the way I work. Mm-hmm. And I really have to trust someone. And yes. I don't, I don't know this, this magical person, <laughs> <laughs> this hypothetical human. Yes. Okay. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So you'd have to, you'd have to trust. I mean, a question that I have thinking about this, like branching out to an associate is I'm hearing that part of it is like, it, it kind of solves a problem that you have, right. There's like more demand than you can meet. You haven't been able to take a new client in a while. And I think this happens to a lot of us, like when you're good and when you've built your reputation and you've carved out your niche, you do naturally get to a point where you just can't serve everybody who wants to work with you. It's just not possible. And even if you have a wait list, you're never going to work through that wait list kind of at the pace that people are coming. Right. No. It just doesn't work. So a question that I have looking at it in the positive is what other needs would it meet to work with an associate? Like, do you want to be a manager? Do you want to be a mentor? Do you want to 
you know, like work closely with someone else? Is there anything like that in the mix for you? Well, since this is a financial podcast, I am very money-minded and I realize Mm -hmm. that's money on the table that I'm leaving. Right. Yeah. So that idea that you're leaving money on the table. Okay. Yep. So there'd be a financial opportunity cost that that you're missing by not having somebody on. Okay. That's one reason. Yeah. I like the idea of being a mentor Mm -hmm. or a supervisor, Mm -hmm. being a manager. Mm -hmm. I've never done that before. I don't have any experience with that. Yeah. Do you think you would like it? Just knowing yourself? I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. You know, the reason I'm bringing this to the forefront of this conversation right now, Natalia, is I think that when we are in the situation that you're in, which again, I I have been in that situation to myself where it's like, okay, this is it. Like I'm at my capacity of who I can serve. The natural thing that comes to mind and that everybody else will tell you is just hire somebody. Mm -hmm. Just start a small group practice. Like just hire somebody. I had like my next door neighbor tell me that. Like she's a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even she, you know, was like, well, obviously you need to hire someone. And we kind of get that message from, from all corners, right? And so it's easy to think that that is, that is the move we have to make, or that, as you say, we're leaving money on the table if we don't make that move. What I have noticed, though, is that like that's a specific job that you're signing up for. Even if you just have one associate, you are signing up to become, as I say, you're becoming a manager, you're becoming a mentor. You know, you're going to be that that point person for clinical issues, and maybe you could hire out for supervision. But no matter what, as you say, what's happening in that room directly reflects your brand, right? Any things that are going wrong in that room do come back on, on you and your reputation. And so that is part of what you're signing up for, right? You're not just signing up for more money. You are signing up for a job of being a manager. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious for you, pure gut check. Do you want to be a manager? No. Yeah. Okay. So let's think about some other options. I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> because there are other ways to also get certain types of service to folks who want to come to you for your reputation. So here's some some other options that might be there for you. One would be creating a course mm-hmm. on your area of expertise. Mm-hmm. How does that idea land with you just kind of off the top? If I could snap my fingers and say, I have my course up and running, mm-hmm. absolutely put it up there. I would be happy and proud and excited. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are words you were not using when it comes to having a, an associate, <laughs> happy, proud, excited. That is how I feel. Yes. yes. Okay. So that's helpful information for us, right? Like on a gut level, that sounds a lot more energizing. And so I'm hearing that like getting to that destination of having the course, that would be exciting. What about between here and there of creating a course? What comes up when you think about that? I would worry that I wouldn't have the discipline to do it alone. Right. Okay. So lacking the discipline. And is that something that you know about yourself that sometimes you can lack discipline when you're left to your own devices? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So what would be a solution for that? I work really well with accountability. Okay. If I'm checking in with someone, if I'm taking some sort of course Mm -hmm. or mastermind, I will show up. I will do the work. Yes. I know that about you. I've seen you do that. Yes. (laughs) You're an excellent student, right? So that's, that's something that you can use to your advantage. The good news is, Natalia, there is a ton of courses about making courses and a ton of masterminds out there that would love to support you with this, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So there, there's like a support that basically is like sitting there waiting for you if this is something you want to do. Because what I would be curious about with this, Natalia, too, is like even just running your numbers, what financially it could look like for you if you did a course as opposed to an associate. Because something about associates is they also get paid, right? Yes. Because they're actually the mm-hmm. one providing the service. 
And even if you do a 50, 50 split, you know, which is kind of, it depends on in your area, what is kind of like a normal split, but what I see kind of the steeper splits, I see it's more like 50, 50. That means there's only 50% of the money to then also like pay for any expenses associated with that associate. You're also putting in time and work, right? We know that there's taxes that come off of that because you've done money skills and you've got your systems worked out. So it's like, it often doesn't pay as much as people think it does. Right. Yes. Which is why often people scale into larger practices because it's when you start adding five clinicians, seven clinicians, yeah. that money really starts to come in. Of course, all of that money is for you, right? All of those sales that you make, some of those will go to like running software and stuff like that. But the cost of software is much less than like the cost of paying, you know, an employee. Yes. Significantly mm-hmm. less. Mm-hmm. So that's one idea. Would you like to think about other ideas for this? Absolutely. I okay. liked idea number one. Door number <laughs> two. A good one. We started good. So another, I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm biased towards courses because I think that like you can package up your gift and you have a gift, right? There's a reason that you are full. You can package up your brilliance and you can sell it for a good amount of money because it literally changes people's lives. So I'm a huge fan of that. Other kind of options would be a membership site, right? So have a place where folks can join at like a lower price point right? But it's like a larger community. You're offering more of a community experience rather than content. You would have content in that membership site. Um, membership sites, I find probably work better. It's like a longer term model, right? And you're kind of like always on. So I find it works well for people who are very extroverted, who love building community, who are excited at the thought of kind of like, it's always going on. How does a membership site land with you? Gut check reaction is uh, no. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I, maybe I could have sold it better, but my gut for you is also no. <laughs> so, I mean, with this, like, I don't know if you're going to do better than a course, truthfully, like you could do info products. Like you could sell like smaller courses. You could write a book, but books, we don't make money off of books, books more like establish your credibility, right? Unless you're a writer yes. and you love to write is, is writing something you love to do. It is something I'm good at. It's yeah. not something that I do often. Okay. Yes. So, and there's a writing component too, to creating a course, right? But what I have certainly seen is like, when you have expertise, like you do having a course is where you can really like package that expertise, you know, how your clients learn. So you can think about how to set it up to, for them to succeed. You can think about how much support do they need and when, like, is this something, are they really going to want to do it by themselves? Would you have calls that you do every couple of weeks? Does it work well if they go through in a cohort? So they're with a group and they feel that momentum of a group, or will people kind of want to do it at their own pace? Like there's all these little tweaks and variations, but ultimately what you're doing is packaging up those conversations that you have over and over and over and over again <laughs> with your clients. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're packaging those up, but in a way you're packaging them like the best version of that talk you get to record. Right. Right. And then you get to create the worksheet that goes with it of like those key pieces that you wish every client would take the time to think through. And then Mm -hmm. you think about what is their journey? What is your client journey? You know, like what are the key things that need to happen for them to get them on the other side of the transformation that you're offering them? Yes. Yes. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking that sounds fairly easy for me because my specialty is I work with people who struggle with emotional eating. Yes. And I can tell you the first five sessions, what I'm, the things that I am trying to find out about. Totally. Yes. So, you know, something for you to think about. And like, I've I've had a couple of people on season three that we've recorded with, and they haven't come out yet episodes, but who are course creator people who are like, talk to a lawyer, talk to a lawyer, talk to a lawyer. 
So I'm going to say that to you too. You know, you want to make sure that you're staying within the bounds of what's appropriate for a course and also helping people to flag when it's like time to seek medical attention, talk to a professional, right? Like we don't want to be saying that you're replacing therapy, but you are, you know, can package up some of those therapeutic resources that you have that people can self-study, right? Mm -hmm. And then offer some amount of support. So that's something you want to think about too within your licensure, making sure that you're staying, you know, like above board and within your code of ethics. But those are all figure outable things. Yes. Agreed. So what do you notice about about this idea as opposed to hiring an associate? I feel a lot more energy and flow behind it. Mm -hmm. I have tried twice now to hire an associate furiously. Yes. And each time it has not felt right. Yes. And why do you think that is? It's not the right way for me. Yes. And I think that that is true for a lot of therapists. (laughs) Megan, Megan and Sin and I have joked before about like, Sometimes we feel like we're the people who try to talk people out of group practice. <laughs> and I've seen people who love group practice, Natalia, and like they light up at the thought of like mentoring and like creating a community. Like it's like the stuff that lights them up is all the contents of group practice. But I'm not really hearing that for you. No, that is not what lights me up. No. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm hearing is, of course, seems to be much more energizing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea. So thinking about that, then knowing yourself, what are your next steps to get you started down this road? What do you need? I would probably need to start investigating seriously a side hustle slash course Mm -hmm. mastermind. Yes. Okay. So I don't know her, but I am going to recommend to you on, as we're recording, um, Marissa Lawton. She's actually who I was thinking of. Yeah. Therapist side hustle. So I would definitely check her out. She's kind of like a colleague of colleagues. I just, I hear good things about her. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there are people like her who have programs specifically about this. Yes. So it sounds like knowing yourself, you know, that that structure is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I like uh, being around other colleagues and hearing their ideas and what they're doing. And uh, I like that energy. Yeah. Okay. Are there any other pieces that'd be helpful for us to dig into while we're thinking about this together? I feel pretty good about this piece that we've just done. Did we, did we do it? I think we did. (laughs) Beautiful. Coming back to your original question, I guess now a question I have for you is, is it that you have a block around expanding or is it that you've just been maybe looking at expanding in a way that you knew in your gut was not right for you? That is a great differentiation. I was attempting to expand in a way that was not right for me. Yeah. Because you and I were chatting before we started the podcast that I also had a side hustle of flipping used books. Mm -hmm. And that started during the pandemic because basically I was bored. Yes. And yes, you need a challenge. (laughs) And there's a part of me that's a very much an entrepreneur. I, I like. I like a challenge. I like figuring things out. How is this going to work? This didn't work. Let's make it better. Yes. And it's something I'm still doing and it's very, very fun. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So I think that this, it sounds like in a way you kind of maybe generalize the story that it's about expanding, but what I'm hearing is actually like, you like a challenge. You do have an entrepreneurial spirit. It's just finding the right thing. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anything else before we finish up? No, this was really fun. This was great. (laughs) I feel like we almost got to the point so fast, but I'm excited for you. And yeah, uh, for folks listening, Marissa Lawton, as I say, colleague of a colleague, I hear great things. She's got resources around exactly that. So I always say like, 
the value. And I mean, Natalia, you've, you've paid for my course and mastermind. You've paid for other people's stuff. I think you and I both know the value of just like getting, getting the right help, right? Not trying to like reinvent the wheel all by yourself. Absolutely. And I want to say here publicly on the podcast, I would not have the kind of thriving full private practice that I do. I wholeheartedly believe if I had not taken your courses. Mm. Thanks for the mastermind. I am so glad to hear like, that's very touching to hear. I'm so glad to hear it. And like you've accomplished incredible things and I'm so excited for you to now take that next step and package it up into your course and just like expand, keep expanding. You're, you're doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. If, if I could say before we got on, I found my journal yeah. that I started at the beginning of 2018 yeah. when I first started your beta course. Yes. My Monday very skip. first round. Yep. And I was going through all the questions and my fantasy of what it would be like when I have arrived. Yes. And one of them was, I would only look at money. I forgot exactly what I said, maybe once a week or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But now I'm only having to do that once a month. Yeah. Right. Because it's all working. It's all working. Yeah. The systems are in place. That's it. Yes. And I think that's like a, I'm, I appreciate you, you saying that. Cause I think that's a misconception that people have is they think that once you're more in touch with your money, it adds like more and more work to your life. And it, it becomes like, it's arduous forever. And what I've seen is like, it is more work for a bit as you're building systems because systems yes. take time and energy. And, and if you have to clean up a mess from before, that takes work. But yes. once you have your systems working and once you have your numbers set up so that they're working ongoingly, it actually takes very little work to keep it up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that idea that maybe in five years, because I think it's been about five years since we first started talking, mm-hmm. yeah. four or five years, maybe in four years, I could have a, a class. Yeah. Or a course that oh. was just going on my website. Yes. Because yes. Totally. I love the idea of somebody, you know, waking up and seeing that two people signed up. Or- oh, yes. It's a good experience. <laughs> I can tell you. It feels good. <laughs> it feels good. And similarly, Natalia, I will say it's kind of like you build out the system. You know, this is how course, courses work too, right? You build out the system. At first, it takes a lot of thought. You're trying to package up all you know. You're trying to figure out how to talk about it in a way that people understand what they're buying. But again, once you do that and you set it up, like, you know, you literally wake up to somebody having bought your course, right? Because all of these things that you've seeded out in the world, they've had enough experience of you that they're like, yeah, Natalia is the person who I'm going to, you know, who's going to help me with my emotional eating. And they've bought while you were literally unconscious. <laughs> it's pretty good. I love that. That idea makes me light up. <laughs> yes. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Natalia, for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you. This was fun. In my conversation today with Natalia, the energy shifted so quickly (laughs) once we moved away from the idea of her hiring an associate. Because I know Natalia and she is a money skills grad and also did a mastermind with me a few years ago, I know that she's tried before to hire an associate. So that's kind of maybe part of what was happening on my side that led me so quickly to just gut check with her whether she really wants to hire an associate. I know that this is an idea she's had for a while and she hasn't moved on it. And I was really curious what the reason for that was. I think so often 
as I mentioned in the episode, we get so many messages just to like, just hire somebody, just hire somebody as though the just (laughs) making it seem like that's a very simple thing to do. And the reality is moving into group practice and having an associate has a whole other list of responsibilities and roles that you're going to be playing for that associate, even if it's just one. If you really want to be having an employee who is supported and well cared for and wants to stick around, there's work involved in that. So it's important to ask yourself, is that the job you want to have? So often with expanding, we focus on, as Natalia mentioned, the money that's being left on the table or the opportunity or the fact that this is what we're being told to do. And we don't stop to think about, is this the job I actually want to have? Am I creating a job that I would want? And often when we ask ourselves that question, we're going to get a gut response that gives us some good clues of the directions that we might actually want to lean when expanding. As soon as I shifted into suggesting the idea of a course to Natalia, her language changed. She talked about feeling excited and happy thinking about it. She immediately knew what her content would start to be. Like you could see that immediately there was starting to be flow and possibility around it, which just did not exist around the idea of her hiring associate and had shown up when she had tried to hire an associate before and it had never really taken off. So if you're in a similar situation to Natalia, I do encourage you to Be curious and think about what are some other ways you might be able to expand what you're offering to clients or different types of side hustles. Like Natalia mentioned, flipping books. That is distinctly not therapy. And sometimes it's nice too to just do things that are income generating that are not therapy. And those are all valid options and all valid ways to bring more money into your life and create more financial stability for your family. If you like what I do, you can follow me on Instagram at Money Nuts and Bolts. We are sharing free, practical, and emotional money content out there all the time. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I would so appreciate if, like Eileen at the beginning of the podcast, you would jump over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Let me know what you think about the podcast, what's helpful about it. It helps other therapists to find the Money Skills for Therapists podcast. Thanks so much for listening today.